0: Fantastic, right? Okay, Uh, we have, um, I believe uh, uh, Charles is going to be coming up here in just a second, right Charles? Is that right? Is is Charles in the building? So we'll see. He's like, what was I going to do today? He was on the welcome team today. I don't know if he walked in. So uh, anyway, we're going to talk about leadership, and I'll tell you why, this is a one-day series, and and I'll be fully honest for a second. Um, It's a one-day series because I actually thought today was Thanksgiving Sunday, and so about six months ago, we planned this series, so today was going to be Joyful Thanks. That's why we had two participles in one day, because I had to squeeze them, because Thanksgiving Sunday was last week, so I, I didn't notice that until this. So we have a one, uh, one week here we're going to talk about leadership, and uh, the reason we are, uh, one of the nice parts is uh, there's a leadership vote that's about to happen for our church, and so uh, I'm going to invite uh, Charles up here. He's one of our uh, leadership board members, and he's going to explain just a for a minute, what's going on with the leadership board and that that kind of stuff? And uh, go ahead and grab this one here. Okay, take off the yellow lanyard. He's now leadership board. Charles, not welcome, Charles.
1: Good morning, everybody. I have to switch modes and switch hats. So I was in the welcoming mode, and now I think I'm in the back in the leadership mode. And, to uh, kind of condense it and streamline, I, I forgive me if I tend to ramble, but uh, that's a sign of if I'm not really gathered in my thoughts. So um, we're going to talk about, the, I guess, the shift in the new leadership board. I know you guys uh, prayerfully submitted a couple of names, um, several names that we uh, as a leadership board um, prayed over, and uh, we were, I think, in the... Came, uh, is there any other LBs up here that can uh, come up with me <laughs> and assist me in uh, streamlining and focusing? I guess there's not. <laughs> so it's okay if I ramble. Then if I, it's okay if I if I kind of tangent and drift off. But anyway, um, the the two nominees that we have uh, the LBs have um, collectively agreed. I think I see Drew up there down there. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> Come up here <laughs> <laughs> um it would be uh Brian and uh Rina, so Youngjin and Brian. those are the two that we would like to present um, as the l b to the congregation to prayerfully uh i guess uh um, pray for them and uh we have done the i guess um the i don't I like i don't like to say interview process but more of uh Interview on both sides, I guess it would be uh, more so. They give a, they get an insight on the the evolution of how the LB has the process have have uh, um, changed, so to speak, in the growing period as we were developing and, and building the the bylaws and and all the different uh, um, I guess uh, foundation of uh, Jericho Road Church. And now it's more vision casting and more guiding, um, in that sense. And and this is more for Brian and uh, Youngjin to, I guess, uh, um, prayerfully on their part, uh, um, consider during the next few weeks as we um, do the transition from the um, current, I think we have two that will be stepping down, myself and Peter, I believe, and there will be two coming up, so Um, with that, we just wanted to present to you guys uh, prayerfully, consider them uh, in your prayers the next few weeks, and kind of give you guys an insight of what the development and where the two stages are at, I believe. Drew? Yes? Thumbs up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I also, (laughs) Drew is... is (laughs) (laughs) The Drew will be um, graciously, so that we can have, uh, uh, number-wise, it's going to work out. And Drew will be one of the um, seasoned uh, LBs that will be hanging on as well to make the transition easier as well, so... That was also something that we wanted to share out. Okay, Can I put my welcoming hat back on and go out.
0: Surprise! Guess he'd forgotten about that one, huh? Hate to call you out there, Charles. But uh, so the slate, the way that our church works is, uh, we nominate, they get interviewed. We di- uh, sort of uh, the church nominates a whole bunch of names. The leadership board uh, asks who you know uh, is available and who is willing to do that, and then they uh, put together a, what they call the leadership board called the slate. And so the church does vote on that. So uh, the slate this time will be uh, Drew, Brian, and Arena. Uh, and so that'll be a, simply a yes/no vote on the slate, and that'll be coming out this week. So if you can submit that yes or no vote, if you have any questions, we want to give you an opportunity to just talk to them before if you had any issues or thoughts that you wanted to share with them. And so just so you know that that's coming up as you're voting. I think it's uh, important to talk about the leadership board. Like uh, Today's topic is leadership. We'll get to a little bit of it a little bit later. Oh, I want to start church. You know what? I love you guys. This is going to be my new thing. I love you. And I want to I wanna not forget to tell you how much I love you guys. And uh, the beard is going away in five days. And so uh, if you're yeah, boo, <laughs> yeah, right. So if you're a guy, uh, go get your testicles checked and go get your prostate checked, okay, guys? That's what we're doing the beard thing for. And uh, if you're a man and you're having any issues that are internal that you think you're supposed to stuff down those feelings, that's actually not a good thing. It's okay to go get help and to find healing and, uh, and help and restoration through other people. Don't try to fight any battle alone. You're not alone. Uh, God loves you, and people love you. and So uh, encourage your men, friends, to go ahead and talk about their emotions occasionally. They don't always have to, but occasionally is fine. And and seeking professional help is fantastic. We go to the doctor when we don't feel well, and it's okay to go to uh, someone to help us when we don't feel well internally. In our church, we have a guy who actually specializes in this, Pastor Andrew, who is sharing our uh, welcome uh, this morning and our communion. Pastor Andrew is a specialist in soul care, uh, which is a Christian version of like how to make sure that you're really healthy inside. And so he is available absolutely at all times for you guys to just chat with. It is worth talking to him, even just to get to know him, just in case you see a future breakdown or worries or anything in your life coming in a year. You know, If you have Christmas and that causes you stress, uh, Pastor Andrew, he's at andrew at jerichoroad.church uh, if you want to email him. And so uh, he's a fantastic resource right here at this church. To just help you find great balance, and so um, uh, thank you guys for that. So that's the beard's going away, sorry guys, in five five days. Whew, hallelujah! So sick of it. and the Bob Ross hair sort of is going to go away too. Uh, so but anyway, uh, talking about leadership, our leadership board. I wanted to mention it. Uh, a lot of changes have happened over the leadership board in some time. Our leadership board is responsible for the big picture of the church. Before the leadership board used to do all sorts of different things. They don't do any of those different things anymore. I'm going to tell you what they do. <laughs> Big picture of the church is what they do. They are to this church as a rudder is to the ship. They, they guide it. That's it. One of the major responsibilities is to define where we are going as a church. Where are we going to be in five years, 10 years, and 20 years? To shape the long-term vision of the church, the dreams, and the goals of Jericho Road. Having the leadership board responsible for this area ensures that our church is church-centric, not pastor-centric. So that we'll thrive even if Pastor Sam dies. So that's a third-person cool reference, you know, cool guy reference. So even if I die, our church can thrive because it can't become pastor-centric. We want it to be always church-centric. The leadership board makes decisions on behalf of and for the benefit of the entirety of Jericho Road Church. They do not... I know no one believes this yet, but it's been a year and a half this way. They do not do any of the work of the church. They're not responsible for taking care of the children's marriage. They're not responsible for doing this. They're not responsible for any of the... They do not do the work of the church. They empower the senior pastor to do the work of the church by utilizing his staff and the different volunteers of the church. But the leadership board... I know it didn't, you're worried that it feels that way. The leadership board no longer does the work of the church. It had been that way in the past, but uh, for over a year now it hasn't been that way. And so I just wanted you guys to know that's what the leadership board is doing, big picture, big guidance of the church. So it's really an honor and a privilege, but, but it comes with this great responsibility and weight. And I would say that we have been uh, remarkably blessed, to, uh, especially this round, to have uh, some amazing people up on the leadership board slate. So, really excited to have uh, them um, coming on board. And we've been fortunate historically to have some really powerful men and women on our leadership board who have really helped shape this church. And so, we've been incredibly fortunate with the amazing leadership that has come from our leadership board. But I do want to say that it's okay if you're not gifted in this area. If you're not a big picture person and and you're, you know, um, that's not sort of your thing, you can't think five, ten, or twenty years, that's okay. Because we're not gifted, we're not all gifted in all areas. And I would say, in fact, if we, if we attempt to lead in an area that we're not gifted in, it creates difficulty for the church. It actually is not that healthy for the church. So, for example, if I grab one of these guitars and I jump, I say, Jerry, get out of the way, or Hannah, get out of the way. I'm going to come up here. I'm going to lead the worship, and we're going to stir in me a fire that the world cannot complain, contain, something. I don't know what they're doing. If I do that, like, the, the church will leave in droves. It'll be like a... It will end this place if I go ahead and try to lead in a place that I am not equipped or talented to lead in. Now, it may be funny the first time, but if that was the situation where I was leading in this area that I wasn't equipped or gifted in, that would be a problem for the health of the church. It'd be a problem for people's spiritual health. And so it's important that we, that we, uh, that we serve in our giftedness areas, that we operate uh, in the things that God has done us to do, uh, given us to do so that our church can thrive. Because the church is incredibly important to God. It's incredibly important in his salvation plan for the world. And he has entrusted the church to each of us. Check out these verses. I'm going to share about the church. So Jesus is talking to Peter. And Jesus says to Peter, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, his name actually is Petros or rock. So he says, on you, on this rock of you or on your back, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here's Peter listening, and Jesus initiates the church, and he tells Peter that this thing is lasting, it's powerful, and it will be built with the hands of regular people. Peter isn't, he's not Peter. Aah! He's Peter. Nah. He's not yet a venerated saint of the church who's this Peter person. He's Peter. Uh, three years ago, I was a fisherman professionally. I didn't go to college. And Jesus said on your regular hands because of your giftedness and the power of the Holy Spirit, the church is going to be built on you and it will last and hell can't even overcome it. The greatest enemy of the universe cannot fight against the thing that is going to be created through your regular hands and through the power of the Spirit. Paul writes this to the Corinthians, according to the grace of God given to me, this is Paul now speaking, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. And let each one take care how he builds upon it. He's talking about church and people. So Paul continues in the footsteps of Peter as he establishes churches built on the foundation of Jesus, but built well. He reminds us all uh, who will follow in these footsteps. If you're going to do the building, you've got to do a great job in building. So this is passed down to us. So we have a mandate first by Jesus to Peter, And then Jesus tells Paul this, and Paul tells his church to build the church well. And then we see this passage, uh, again from Paul to the church in Ephesus. He writes, uh, and and Jesus, uh, that's the he, Jesus, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds and teachers, he gave them in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ or the church. So our final idea in this thread about the church is that that God calls people with different gifts and different abilities to help build his church, whether they're prophets, evangelists, teachers, or whatever. See, God's desire is for the equipping of all people so that the church will be strong and so that it will do what it's designed to do, love God and love other people. So my goal as your pastor is to equip every one of you so that we... Together can become the best possible version of Jericho Road Church. See, I believe that God has tasked human beings, frail, what the heck am I doing kind of human beings, to build this magnificent thing called his church. And he has called me here at this local church, Jericho Road Church, to build you so that you do the church It's not the pastor doing all of the church. It's the pastor equipping the people who are at the church to do the church. See, the church's strength isn't in the pastor. The church's strength is in the people and their ability to do the ministry and the work that God has called us to do. The really, really interesting part about this verse about evangelists, teachers, prophets, that sort of stuff is that it doesn't allow it to be me only leading. It can't be just Sam Tomsic or Pastor Sam leading this effort. We need praise leaders to lead praise. And we need children's leaders to, to lead children. And we need leadership more members to, to lead in our long-term vision. And we need service leaders to help with the communion and the offering and the details of the church. See, each of us must lead in church in the way that God has gifted us to lead. It isn't even a negotiable. The question is how and what you will lead, not if you will lead, because God is calling every single one of us to lead in our giftedness. That's God's desire for leadership in the church in general and this church at Jericho Road as well. But additionally, I would say that God calls every one of us to leadership in our lives. So our leadership extends beyond the church into our day-to-day. Now, there's millions of books, memes, blogs, TED Talks like on leadership and leadership principles, And most of them, I would say, have some measure of truth, and there's a great uh, measure of value in listening to those kind of things. And I would not presume to be able to say, like, here, let me tell you about all things leadership principles in the Bible. I don't have the time to say all the leadership principles in the Bibles, nor would I be able to say authoritatively, I know every leadership principle. In in addition to the the Bible, there's wisdom that gives us leadership principles, and so I'm not going to attempt to say all of those kind of things, nor would I even attempt to say, like, here's the top five leadership principles in the Bible, according to God, because I don't, I don't know if there's a way to enumerate the top sort of five like that, and I wouldn't presume to know all that stuff. But I would rather, however, like to touch on two leadership ideas that as your pastor, like I think that you need to hear this morning. So this is two leadership principles that every single person who's God allowed to be here, you came through the door, you're not here by accident, now, some of our friends might not be here, but that was because they weren't ready to hear this today. But you were here, so you are ready to hear what God wants to say. And so here's God's word to you this morning. And I think that you're here on purpose and for a reason. And so I would ask, would you open up your heart to the possibility that God wants to say something to you? And I just want to highlight two leadership principles that I see in the Bible, especially in light of, we're talking about leadership and leadership board this morning. So here they are. Be a priest and be great. That's the two principles I want to highlight from the Word. So in Christianity, we have this this principle called the priesthood of all believers. So here's the thought progression. We're going to look at a couple of verses here. It starts in 1 Timothy, where the Bible tells us that there is one God, and there is now one mediator between God and men. That's the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So the context of this is in the Old Testament, people couldn't go to God. They weren't allowed to talk to God. Well, they could try, but they they didn't talk to God. They weren't allowed to offer offerings to God or sacrifices to God. They couldn't do it without a priest. In fact, sometimes people tried to do it and they got in trouble by God for not going through the priest. So in the time of, of the Jewish time, only way to get to God was through a mediator, a human person, a priest, But then Jesus comes and he changes all that. In this verse, we see it. He says, no longer do you need a human mediator. Rather, you have Jesus Christ who died on the cross and then offered unfettered, unaccompanied access to God. And so through Jesus, the entire system is changed. Before everybody had to funnel through a human mediator, the priest, Jesus comes and dies and crosses and says, I'm your eternal priest. You can come right to God, every single one of you, without someone else intervening or mediating on your behalf. So with Jesus as our mediator, we don't need additional human help to draw near to God. Okay, Track with me here. In Hebrews it says, since we have this kind of great high priest who's passed through the heavens, that's Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast to our confession and then let us, each of the humans who are receiving this, uh, believers, then with confidence let us draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so through Jesus we could actually walk up to God and we can seek His grace and His help ourselves. What once was the job of the priest now falls into the hands of the believer. See, before the priest was the one who went to God with needs and petition for help. Now the Bible says with Jesus, it's no longer a priest who does that, but all who know him as their Lord and Savior. To be quite clear, Peter clarifies it. in Peter, he says, uh, as you come to him, Jesus, who was a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God, he was chosen and was precious. You guys, you Christians, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so God is calling every single person to be part of this holy priesthood. And as a priest, our goal is to help lead people who are around us, who don't know God, or maybe people who are really far from God. Our job is to lead them toward God. That's it. That's our, our job is to try to get to people, introduce them to God. Each of us leads every time we interact with another human being. And it always, always either leads them toward God or away from God. In every interaction with every human being that you have, always leads one way or another. There are no such thing as a neutral interaction with another human being. Even at the grocery line, even across you're pumping gas and you see someone from across, you either lead them toward Jesus, show kindness and a smile, or not. Another person turning away from them, and then who knows? But all of our interactions either lead people toward God or away from them. And so when we're at home with our spouse, or, or maybe you're with your kids, are we leading them toward God or are we we leading them away from God? Because there's no neutral interactions. Each tone, each phrase, each glance, every action, either points toward or away from God. Parents, it is your job to be the spiritual leader of your family. Like, I hope that I can come help you be a better priest but you are the priest of your family. God calls you to do that. That's your responsibility. That's your leadership. You have to say, when I'm with my family, I'm the priest. I had this really cool, amazing opportunity this this Thanksgiving. We wanted to do communion. And I told my oldest son, I said, hey, would you lead communion for our family? I had no idea how it was going to turn out. None. I didn't, I, I didn't say a thing after that, because as a pastor, I can tend to be controlling, you know, especially with like, sacraments. They're a pretty big deal, right? And so uh, my son, Andrew, he's like, yeah. And I was like, ooh, he agreed. <laughs> cool. And then he led us in communion, talked about the bread and the wine rightly. He, he shared about uh, Jesus' broken body and shed blood and said, do it with the right heart. And then he said, as we're doing it since it's Thanksgiving, would you pray over and say out loud something you're thankful to Jesus for? And I was like, I can barely do it. I'm going to cry. So good. I'm the priest of my family. But guess what? My adult son, he's the priest of the family too. Isn't that fantastic? God calls every one of you. You're listening right now. You're not exempt. Unless your mind can't comprehend or you're asleep, then I can't hold you accountable for that. But if you're listening and you hear that, God says, you are the priest in your family. If you have no, you've got to have some sort of family. If not, then go make some family. Like, or make a family friend or something or get a dog, and then you're the priest of the dog, that's fine too. Like, you are the priest of your family. Do you hear me? It's your responsibility, not mine. I'm not popping up on Thanksgiving. coming to your house, like, it's communion time. You know, like, oh, my gosh, right? That's unacceptable for me to walk in, like, like, that big kool-aid guide and break through your wall right like communion like i'll lead your family that's not how it works you're the priest in your family whenever you're at home some of you guys are at school whether you're in high school or college we got our high school group here with us today you're at school guess what you're the priest on campus Each time you play sports or or you do your homework or you pass someone in the halls or you go by the lockers or you're chatting with your friends, you're going to either lead them toward Jesus or away from Jesus. Look, I'm not on your campus. And with my Bob Ross haircut and if I show up there, there's going to be a lockdown, an alert. They're going to call the cops. But I can't show up on your campus and I don't want to show up on your campus because I'm not the priest on your campus. Guess who's the priest on your campus? You are. I'm not showing up there. But you're going to show up there, and you're the priest on your campus. God is calling each of you as believers to be the priest on your campus, to lead people toward him, to live out your testimony of faith in him in front of all your friends and your teachers. You're the priest of your teachers. You're the priest of your friends. And if you're sitting here, you don't get to sidestep and say, whoa, that was for someone else, like, whoo! I know you're tempted to, right? You're tempted to say, like, oh, I'm just going to do my thing because I'm, I'm this or this. No, it's not. If you understand what I'm saying, God is saying it to you. You came here on purpose today, or your parents forced you. Uh, you are hearing what God wants to say to you. You will either respond, yes, God, or you'll respond, no, God, but you're going to respond one of the two. And God is saying, I want you to be priest on your campus. Some of you guys, you got jobs, Right? Some people have jobs here. Guess what? You're the on-site priest. That's it. At your workplace, you are you're it. Don't wait for someone else. Like, I hope there's a better Christian. There's not. You're it, right? You went to that sermon that one Sunday and it jacked you up. Now you're you're called. You got coach put you in. You're the priest at your work. Look, leadership in the family is priesthood of all believers. Leadership with your friends, priesthood of all believers. Leadership in the workplace, priesthood of all believers. Leadership here at this church is a priesthood of all believers. It's not just Pastor Sam or just the spiritual person or like that really godly person at school or work or or that. It's it's you. It's the priesthood of all believers. You as a believer, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God says, you are the priest. Wherever I put you this week, you'll be the priest stuck in traffic. That's fine, too. Someone next to you, they sorely need a wave and a high, and a a full-fingered, not a one-fingered wave and high. That is a fantastic place to be a priest, right? To roll down your window. They are going to roll it down and say, God loves you, brother. Woo! And they're going to be like, what the heck just happened? You Roll up your window and keep going. They just got blindsided by God. Boom. Why not? If someone's going to shoot them on the, you know, why not give them the gospel on the, you know, it's free freeways, right? No problem. It's not illegal to do that. So as we go about our priestly duties, though, God tells us to do something. He tells us to be great at it. Now, this is sometimes not heard in church that God wants you to be great. So our first leadership principle was that you are a priest. And our second leadership principle is God wants you to be great I'm not making a mistake here. God actually wants you to be great. Greatness comes when we lovingly serve people. Look how Jesus says it. Jesus calls his folks together, and he says to them, look, you know that there's other kind of rulers in this world, like uh, the, the rulers over the people who aren't Christians. What they do is they, they act like they're in charge of everybody. They lord it over them. That means like they tell them what to do. Once I get in charge, I flex that power. I say, you do this, you do this, you do what I tell you to do. He says they lord it over them. And they're high officials, they exercise authority over people. So you go get my coffee, go do this, go do this. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be the slave. So just as the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, Jesus Christ. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus makes an assumption that's easily lost here. He assumes that it is good and right to want to be great. Jesus wants you to be great. He doesn't admonish this desire. Rather, he explains how to do it. He doesn't say, no, 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 don't try to be great, you guys. He says, yes, try to be great. And here's what greatness looks like. Greatness in all areas, including leadership, or especially in leadership, is found when we we put our own desires second and we serve people, when we care about them more than we care about ourselves. Leadership is an others first. Jesus models it for us, and then he asks us to do it. And it happens even if nobody notices. See, leadership and putting other people first happens even if no one notices. Because God always notices. People may not give you a raise or they may not give you any praise if you put their needs first. They may not even know that it happened. But God always notices. And God is counting. And he's looking for greatness. Following Jesus in this area is extremely difficult. Forewarning, you want to be great, it's the hardest thing to do. Which is why it defines greatness. If golf was easy, then, like, what? We could all be great at golf. Golf is not easy. Greatness is not defined by easiness, greatness is always defined in difficulty. And so, when Jesus says, be great by serving others, it is difficult. It is extremely difficult if you put this in reality. So think about it when uh, to look out for someone else's needs above your own and think about the last time you were in an argument with your spouse. Right? You want to be great. You put their needs ahead of yours. You don't need to get your point across. You don't need to prove yourself right. You don't need to zing them because they hit your defenses and that hurt. But if you want to be great, you say, you know what? I'm going to put my wife's needs and desires ahead of my own. Even in in this fight, even I'm like so mad. Really? You want to be great? Dial that down and put her needs ahead of yours. You're fighting with your friend and you're right. I know I'm always right. Yeah? You want to be great? Then put their needs ahead of yours. What was causing that hurt? What was causing that outlash? What was causing this kind of stuff? Care about them more than you care about yourself, more than you care about making your point, more than you care about being right. You said greatness isn't found in being right all the time. Is that how this passage went that we just looked at? Greatness is found in never making a mistake. Now, Greatness is found in putting someone else's needs above your own. But that's so hard. Like in a a real life situation, in a a real fight with someone that you you care about and who has hurt your feelings, like, man, I want to assuage my painful, hurt feelings and zap them back. That's what I want to do when when someone hurts me or comes at me. I want to fight back and hurt them. But that's not the path of greatness, and God wants you to be great. Being great may mean that you lose money. And being great may mean that you lose time. And, oh, this is so hard. If we genuinely put other people first, that's going to take away from my own personal free time it's going to cost me some money maybe. If, if, if I put their needs and, and the things that, the, that is going on in them, if I put that first, that's going to cost me something. But you know what my natural desire is? To hoard my money and to hoard my time. My natural desire is to, to get home and get into Netflix and, and just chill. That's my natural desire. And, and if I, I'm short on money, my natural desire isn't to give it away more. My natural desire is to hoard and keep and hide. And so to be great, I have to go past what's my natural desire. To be great, you have to do difficult things. Putting other people first is incredibly difficult in the real life. Man, so easy on Sunday morning, right? Sitting there, yeah, let's put other people first. (laughs) Because it's not a reality. Because you're not having to actually do it right now, but... But when it comes out to there, and there's one last piece over here at lunch, and you're like, "Dude, dude, dude, I got that," <laughs> you know, like, it's really difficult to put other people first. That's why it defines greatness. If I leave by serving others, if I lead by serving others, maybe I won't get all the shine, right? A serving other kind of leader person, it, you don't get noticed. Like how many people know who cleaned up last week in, this, in, the, in the kitchen after the Thanksgiving thing? Who mopped the floors because we do it every week? Who wiped down those tables, do you know? I don't know. So they didn't get the shine, right? Nobody was like, oh. But you all saw Pastor Sam, right? He was on Thanksgiving service. It was cool and the families was here. So you want to be great, don't be this. Do these tables but you may not get the shine. But what do we want, right? We always want people to notice. I do. I want people to notice and say like, oh, thanks, good job. Oh, thanks, don't say that, but keep saying that, right? So being great, maybe, maybe you don't get noticed by people. But you will always be noticed by God. And God is talking about greatness from his perspective, not from our perspective. Greatness in God's economy requires significant humility. If you want to be the man and everybody notice you, you can't be great in God's economy. You can't. You've already disqualified yourself if you're trying to be the, the man and get everyone to notice you and stuff. Church, let's strive for greatness. Let, let's be great. Like pour out your life in a life of service to others. In church, at school, at work, with your family, among your friends, be great. You want to lead in this life? You're a priest. And be a great priest. Let me pray for us and let's worship together. Father, I wanna be great. Like I really do. God, I, I wanna be great. I'm so glad that you tell me that I can be great. Now the process seems hard, but God, I'm willing to do hard because I want to be great in your eyes. I don't, I don't really care what people think, but I desperately care what you think, God. And so I pray that you would help me first to follow your word. But I also pray for our church, God, that they will hear you clearly. They will hear that you are calling them right now, right where they are, to be your priest, set apart to be your spokesperson, to lead people toward you, not away. And I pray that you would start to stir in my church's heart the desire to be great as well. Because God, you're worth it. The greatness that's achieved in this world is temporary and it doesn't last and it's fleeting. But greatness in your kingdom is long-lasting and eternal and it is worth it. Speak to our hearts as we try to speak back to you right now.